Okay, awesome. Thank you, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Illness, Insight and Power. My name is Cecio Gianni Becor. I work as an executive wellness and leadership coach. And today I'm talking to two remarkable Kenyan leaders, Kevin Mashiro, Caroline Gaiduma, and we are having what I call a different conversation about surviving COVID. So I'm just going to put my video off now. Um, I just wanted to have the video on just so that uh, anyone who's watching the recording will know that um, it's really us. So for those of you who don't know me, um, you can find me on themainprotagonist.com. You can also find me on IG, that's Instagram, at coach underscore CCO Jani, and the podcast, soundcloud.com forward slash coach underscore CCO Jani. You might be wondering why would I be running an event uh, like this? Well, it's because this is all part of my work. Um, Caroline and I are fellow coaches. We talk all the time. Um, and Kevin is actually a client of mine and a former neighbor. We grew up together in the same neighborhood. And because um, illness, wellness, um, times of change are uh, top of mind, um, I knew that it would be helpful to run a conversation like this. And particularly because my two guest speakers, Caroline and Kevin, have such an interesting, uh, such interesting stories to share about their experience um, getting through COVID. So I just want to also be clear that um, uh, Caroline and Kevin were not asymptomatic. They, they did have symptoms. Um, they had uh, quite a rough time. They got through it with such wisdom and grace and courage that I, I asked them if they could please allow me to interview them and we could share um, insights with anybody else that wanted to have this conversation. Okay, so thank you so much for um, our two guest speakers for having the courage to do this. Let me just share a brief intro of the two guests. Caroline is a transformational coach a mental health advocate, she's a mom, she's a TV producer. She guides her clients through feeling, commitment, action, and insights that bring profound changes in her clients' lives. The core values Caroline seeks to embody are vulnerability, courage, and wisdom. She believes that the most authentic version of yourself is the highest and most abundant version of yourself. And she likes to say that she eats life with a big spoon. So welcome, Caroline. And thank you so much for having the courage um, and the generosity to share your story with us here today. Kevin Mashiro is a writer, journalist, podcaster, and queer activist. His first book is called Invisible Stories from Kenya's Queer Community. His most recent work is the short story Number Sita, that's number six for those of you who might be watching this and don't speak Swahili. Um, it is published in the anthology Nairobi Noir. In 2017, Kevin launched a really cool podcast called Nipe Story, which means tell me a story. It's a storytelling podcast which produces audio versions of short story fictional stories from the African continent. Now, in October 2015, Kevin was diagnosed with blood cancer, multiple myeloma. He underwent a successful bone marrow transplant in June 2016, and he's in remission. 
He currently serves on the board of the LGBTQ Coalition, Gay and Lesbian Coalition of Kenya, Amnesty International, and PEMA. So we have some remarkable Kenyans here with us today. And again, thank you for agreeing to share your story. Now, for all of you who are gathered here today, thank you again for coming. I wanna share with you some tips on how to get the most out of this evening's event, okay? Number one, let's be respectful to everyone, not, of, not just to Cece, to the guests, but to one another. Uh, we've all given up our time to be here today. Let's make it a pleasant experience for everybody. Number two, be present. In other words, be here now. Don't worry so much about what you did 20 minutes ago, what you have to do at 8.30. Just be here now because this is a conversation for all of us to learn from. I wanna invite you to number three, be open to hearing something new. I wanna invite you to reflect on your own experience. The best way to get insights that you can apply to your own life is to think about what the speaker is saying and ask yourself, okay, how can I apply this to my own life? Okay, that's how even a one hour webinar can be really, really valuable if you think about it that way. And number five, just notice any judgment that you may have based on what someone says, whether it's the guest speakers or a comment someone makes in the chat box. And also just notice when you've been triggered or when you're feeling some type of way because of um, what any of the guest speakers or myself or any of the other um, uh, participants has shared. We all get triggered, right? It's part of being human. The powerful thing to do is just notice it and ask yourself, hmm, I wonder what I'm being invited to consider here. Okay, and with that, let's get started, guys. Let's share our stories, okay? So the first question, I wanna open the floor to you, Caroline, Kevin. What is the first thought that runs through your head when your COVID test comes back positive? Why don't you start, Carolyn? Oh, shucks. You know, like I have to be home for the next 14 days because, I mean, there's isolation, but then to a certain extent, you, it still hasn't sunk to you the how deep this pool is. So the first thing is I'm getting inconvenienced because um, we're always coming from doing so much, you know, especially with this work from home situation. Yeah, and there's so much on your desk. So the first thing you feel is like, what an inconvenience. And then it goes slowly sinking, you know, as the effects come, you know, there are no people coming to see you. People are leaving things at the door and it just becomes an emotional roller coaster after that. But it starts with, you know, for me, at least it's, I wasn't so scared about COVID yeah. Um, so it wasn't in my radar for a very long time. Like it wasn't a big deal. So I didn't fear that I would die. I just feared that I was getting inconvenienced. Right, right. That's really interesting. What about yourself, Kev? What's the first thing that crosses your mind when the test comes back positive? Um, like, 
you tweet, to be honest. I was like, how could you? And um, and there's also a lot of, for me, it was a lot of guilt mm -hmm. because um, this was around my birthday and I had a few friends and a number of friends that had me my birthday yeah. And, yeah. and I was like now you have gone and given this to everyone um, so there's a lot of guilt there's a lot of guilt that I had to to deal with initially and for me it was like okay I have it but it was the guilt uh, that I had that I may have spread this to to other people um, that was my that was my initial thing wow that's that's really interesting so the next question is, as it starts to dawn on you and, and you start getting the symptoms, because um, as we spoke, you know, you two were not, you were not a symptomatic. What then happened after that? After the initial, okay, the test has come, I'm feeling a bit inconvenience. Wow, people are leaving things at the door. You're feeling the guilt. What then happens? Carolyn? Carol, are you there? Go ahead and unmute yourself. Yes, I'm here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, okay. For me, when I got my, uh, my result, I was already sick. Right. But then what happened is that, so I had been unwell for like two days and I had not left the house and I was not working by the second day because it was getting worse. And then uh, my mom got a positive result. And, you know, when I was talking to her about it, um, I had actually told my sister not to mention that I'm sick, not to worry my parents, yeah. but I was not uh, suspecting it was COVID. So it was, you know, I'm just feeling down because I didn't have any of the symptoms that they were advertising. Any of the symptoms? On the media. Yeah, it, there was no fever, there was no sore throat, there was no, so it was just a sense of, I think that there's a politician who put, put it in the right way. I was feeling subdued, subdued. Mm -hmm. And so when my mom got a positive result, I was talking to her the following day and she sensed that I was not well. Yeah. So that's when she told my dad, you need to go and, and pick Carol and get her to a, to a test. Yeah. So for me, when that happened, I would be down for two days and I'm up and running. Sorry, Caroline, you just broke up for a second there. Okay, I'm sorry. So I thought it was just two days I'm down and then I'll be back up. But when I got the positive result, um, I knew that this was going to be two weeks of isolation. Yeah. Now I live alone. So I'm used to being alone, yeah. but there's something that changed when I knew that nobody can come even if I want to. So it became being alone in a different kind of way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so people different? are like, where do we bring stuff? Yeah. Pardon? No, I was just saying, what was that different kind of way? But you were getting into it anyway. Yeah, it was, it was. It's like you've, so there's one, um, the, the emotional aspect of that people are actually keeping away from you. Yeah. 
So I really had to work on my mind to change the meaning of that. You know, I remember my sister coming to drop me some food and she had come with her husband and her children. They were in the car. And when I opened the gate, because I had to go downstairs and open the gate because um, there was no one to open the gate. Immediately I opened the gate, they rolled up their windows and pulled up their masks. And that just felt, you know, it just felt like, (laughs) I think that's how people with leprosy used to feel like. You understand that people are protecting themselves and you do want them to protect themselves. But there's a loneliness that comes in that you're alone and yeah. that that was the the thing that was heaviest for me wow we'll we'll get into that in a second because that's so deep eh? that i am alone um, and there's so many levels to to that sentence uh, to that statement um i'm wondering kevin what about you what what happens after that initial reaction, what was that like for you? Um, for me, the, 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 after I got a positive test, it was one, informing my family that I had it yeah. and those who are close to me. And then I remember writing a list of every single person I had been in touch with that weekend, yeah. you know, and then letting them know um for for me i just think it's it's a matter of sharing it's it's a it's i speak about my disease be it cancer be it covid and and for me it's important to to share and even having a platform like this because you dull the stigma you lessen the stigma yeah you know so it's impossible and i wouldn't hide it. yes i've got covid and i didn't hide it and there are a couple of of people here in kilifi whom i whom i told and that was the first time they believed COVID existed because before that they were just so dismissive of it. Yeah. You know, in, in Kilifi, huh? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they didn't believe it. Like it's a scheme from, from, from the scheme, you know, it's a curse. But when they actually, when I told them, I went out of my way and told them I have this thing, yeah. you know, yeah. um, so that was it, just telling people. And then, I'm just really grateful that there was a lot of kindness and support that came after that. Like, like Carol, I live alone. Yeah. Um, one of my friends just offered food. You know, people were like, if you need anything, do let us know, you know. Um, and, and then for me, it was, how do I, how do I go through this? You think you've, you know everything about COVID until you get it. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, because I live a relatively healthy life. I, I, you know, like I have fruit. I used to, you know, have my own um, concussions here that I take, you know, just to boost my immunity. And I was going to just run with that. And then people started asking me about, do you have an oximeter? I'm like, I have no idea what that is. Um, what medicine are you taking? Um, I'm like, you know, there's no medicine for it. I'm just going to write this. And then a friend of mine who is a doctor and also a cancer survivor She's the one who convinced me to take supplements. Yeah. Because I was, I was just, I was gonna trust the body and say, you know what, I've, I've invested in you. I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna continue just trying to um, live healthy. So it was that. So I remember just ordering fruit and having it delivered. Um, and and then a friend of mine, she, like I said, she brought lots of food. Yeah. Um, but I get the thing with Carol is it's a different type of loneliness that kicks in. And I just moved to a new house. Not very many people knew where I was staying. 
Um, I was getting to know this home, the neighborhood, and even the, the caretaker and the staff who live around here. And I was like, what are these guys thinking of me? This guy is not just only move, but he's coming with COVID oh, into the neighborhood, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it was that. Um, and it's just so weird. I mean, I have been in situations of isolation before, but I really like what Carol says is you can't touch. You can't touch anybody. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, um, touch is my number one love language. Yeah. And the fact that I'm hosting people in my space, but the fact that you, if people were, if they stepped into the house, we're like two meters apart from one another, you know, we're wearing masks or we're sitting, cause it's like a little patio, we're sitting outside, you know? Um, so it was that, so that, it was, yeah. it was, it was that, just that, 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 dealing with you have a whole house and the space and the space that the space that humanity also gives you to protect themselves and it's and it's not done with malice i really like what cows and it's not it doesn't come from a bad place it comes from a place of protection um yeah and someone put it very nicely when you're traveling you get those videos um on the safety videos put your life mask um your your, your oxygen mask first before you help others and this is a little bit like that. And I think when you look at it that way, it lessens the blow, but you still feel the blow. Of course you still feel the blow, yeah. I mean, this leads me um, quite seamlessly into the next question, which is around your thoughts, because you're alone, literally, and with your thoughts. And you've already alluded to um, the loneliness, for example. So we're curious to know what are some of the thoughts that start running through your mind as one day becomes the next day becomes the next day. And, and, and before you answer, let me just say this. I find it so interesting that it's just two weeks, but it's two weeks of hell. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a, 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 apart from the people who have long COVID, with COVID, it's just two weeks. I mean, some of us have been for holidays for two weeks, but I imagine these two weeks are now seeming like a lifetime. What are the thoughts that start running through your mind, Caroline? Well, to start with, after my resolve came in, so it's like a whole floodgate of everything that you've been avoiding in this life comes running, rushing in. It feels like you've gotten a blow right between your lungs. That's what it felt. Yeah. So it felt like a little bit of lack of air. Yeah. And then you're gasping for air. And as you're gasping for air, there's something I, I think I mentioned to you about COVID that I've not experienced with any illness. Yeah. And even at my worst, I've never experienced that, but it was the inner, that feeling of being subdued internally. So you feel worse than your physical symptoms are. Mm -hmm. And you have this conversation in your head and you're like, I'm not even sneezing. I'm not even, what's going on? Like, why am I feeling this way? And yeah. that becomes the initial struggle when you have these um, symptoms. And I remember just 
feeling like at some point, like I think it was the third or the fourth day, I was sitting on the couch and I just felt like I'm done. Like this is it. This is over. Mm-hmm. And it's not, so I had a lot of muscle pain and I couldn't sit, I couldn't sleep properly. I, the fatigue is what was like a lot, a lot of fatigue. I've never felt like that before. Yeah. And it just, at that point, I was telling myself, I can't do this. And honestly, I just said, help me. I just said, help me. And I walked to my bed and I slept. So there's a part of my conversation was like, I'm giving up, I'm surrendering. When I woke up the following morning, the conversation was, you know what, Carol, you've been through a lot and you just need to take a day at a time. At some point I said, I'm just going to leave for this hour. And for this hour, I would drink water. You know, for this hour, I would take a fruit. I would go out and, and feel the sun and I would come back and I would do an hour at a time. So the conversation for me in my head was, you just need to do an hour at a time. And, you know, and that's how I made it through most of the worst days. Wow. Um, what, so the, describe how it felt, if you don't mind getting into a bit more detail about how it felt in the body. You said there was this fatigue and I'm getting the sense that it wasn't like the tiredness of not sleeping well for a yeah. few days. Can you describe more about what you felt like in your body? So there are two aspects. There's in the body, uh, what's going on with the physical body, and then there's what is going on with something else about you. Maybe the real you inside your body. I don't even know how to put that. But the physical body, it's like the muscles, which are like close to the bone, are so painful you feel as if the bones are paining wow and and the fatigue is at some point i couldn't leave the bed and i realized this is serious because i couldn't even activate my willpower that's the other it's like my willpower was deactivated wow and you really feel subdued like you can't even lift a finger and when I finally did that day and I did that at 3 p.m I mastered all the strength that I had because I couldn't even like I had to use the bathroom and I did this at 3 p.m aside from using the bathroom the only other strength I had was to close the door in a way that somebody can open from outside because I knew I was feeling like this is gonna get worse and I'll have to call somebody and I might not be able to leave the bed. So I need them to be able to open the door from outside. So yeah. it really felt as if even your willpower, you you cannot move. That's and there's a lot of pain in all of your body. Yeah. And and that is um, you know. I've never heard it. I I don't know about everybody else in the room right now, but I have never heard it described that way, you know, that willpower, because that helplessness alone would be pretty scary, right? So there's the physical kind, you're kind of helpless. You can move around a little bit with a lot of, um, uh, it, it takes a lot out of you. 
but that mental, the combination of the mental and physical helplessness, that would break most people, you know? And I think it is, Sisi. I think, you know, we've seen people who have, are very strong, who've gone through worse things in life, being yeah. brought down by COVID. I yeah. think that's it. Yeah, that's, that's really deep. That's really, really deep. Um, and I think it's very, it's very telling. It's very telling. Um, what about you, um, Kevin? What, what were the, how did you feel in your body? And what were some of the, the thoughts accompanying, accompanying that? Um, I really like what Carol says. It's interesting that um, I too left for that whole period. I didn't, I didn't lock my, my front door. You know, I'm like, just in case I can still, people can still come into the house, you know? Yeah. Um, and maybe it's one of those things you learn when you live, when you live alone, um, especially when you are sick, you still need to, your, your house, your presence still needs to be accessible. Um, going back to your question, it was, I, I had to dig deep and fall back onto my experience with, with cancer. Yeah. Um, for me, that helped me. I'm like, okay, some of these things, some of the symptoms that I went to are like, were familiar. And I'm like, we're back here, you know, we're back here again. And, and that helped see me through. But there were times I'm like, it was so difficult believing the things that I believed five, six years ago, that I had to master a lot more energy yeah. To, yeah. to to go through, you know, like I lost my appetite and I won't lie, Sissy, to take me like half an hour to go through a bowl of Weetabix, two biscuits. Yeah. It would take me half an hour. I would eat and then they would just sit in my cheeks and I'm just there. I couldn't swallow, you let know? Me, let me just pause you there for a second, Kev, because I don't think people realize what losing your sense of taste means when you lose your sense of taste guys somebody described it like this everything tastes like just dirt like you you've got this stuff in your mouth and and there's no taste can you imagine trying to eat and you can't taste a thing it must be like just lumps of coal or something in your mouth because you can't taste it and then you're not eating so for, for me, the, the taste didn't go as much, but it's just that I just, I was like, I just didn't want to eat. And I remember the words of my doctor in India who kept on telling me, food is your medicine. That was my mantra. Food is your medicine. Um, you will not get better if you don't eat. You will not, not get better if you don't eat. So I kept on telling myself that well, food is your medicine. Um, physically, it was, I got lots of sweats, lots of sweats. Um, there was the fatigue. Um, I used to burn incense every night just so that I know I can still smell stuff. Wow. Um, um, but it's that whole thing, like, there was one night, um, and I'd spoken to my cousin um, before, and she told me, hyponourish yourself, you know, meaning give yourself... If, if you can't eat, just give yourself wholesome food. 
So I, I ordered um, a lot more fruit. I ordered a lot more veg. And, yeah. and people, it was things like boiled maize that was heaven for me. You know, boiled uh, sweet potato was heaven. And I just, and, and lettuce, I was just eating lettuce. Anything spicy, I, I didn't want. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I started digging into those reserves. I really had to dig deep into those reserves to see me through. And I remember one, I don't know why COVID does this to you. I mean, you feel so vulnerable because you don't know how how this thing is gonna go. And I used to hate the nights because I'm like, man, I, I don't know. I don't know, the nights just seem so long. But yeah. there was one day I just I just spoke to my body. I, I was up something I've done over the last years. I spoke to my body and I just gave thanks and I, and, and, I, and I just touched every single, I was lying on the bed and I touched every single part of me and say, and just like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and I'm like, I don't have the energy to fight this. I'm just gonna trust that everything that I have done over the last few years is, has been good enough and you have to come through for me because I just can't. Wow, that's that same Caroline said your willpower gets deactivated to some extent. I've never heard it being described that way, but this is so important for people to know. And I'm wondering, um, Kev, and I'll I'll get um, I'll ask you the same, Caroline. Uh, you said you you you're digging deep, right? What is there when you're digging deep? For you, what does digging deep look like? Like what? What are the things you anchor onto? Because it's different for different people. I think for me is the fight. For me, that digging deep is the fight. It's the fight to say, I'm, you're not, I'm not done yet. Mm-hmm. I'm not done yet. You know, and, and this is a, um, and, 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 and you're not going to get me. For me, digging deep is, 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 is calling on those reserves, calling on those energies and, and still saying, I have the will to live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know for me that that was my my digging deep you know i'm like i only have this life mm-hmm. and i'm not ready i'm not ready to go there's still there's still a lot of stuff to do but it's also digging deep in the sense that i recognize my situation that covid humbles you for me i just found covid really humbling and yeah. unlike cancer with cancer, the doctors knew exactly what they were treating, you know? But with this, you're treating the symptoms, everything else but, the, but, the, but this thing, you know? So you're like, every day I'm like, I just need to get through this. I just need to get through this. I just need to get through this. So for me, it's, it's, it's that I, I was not ready and I'm gonna, I was gonna fight it. Right. I was, I was not gonna, and, and I'm like, this is going to be a long fight. I mean, even those two weeks, you're like, you know what, fine, it will take two weeks, but I just need to get through the day. I just need to get through breakfast. Yeah. And then we the next thing. And then you're like, oh, shit, I have lunch to think of and have to eat again, you know? So it's digging deep to get through. For me, how I look at life is, is you have to, and I tell people, you have to go through the moments to get through the day. And that's what cancer taught me. That's what COVID has taught me. You have to invest in the moments and all those moments are scattered in that day. Yeah. And that's, that's for me is, is the digging deep. Just get through this moment and then you go to the next one. Wow. 
well, you've, you've got to have something to live for, you know, that's, um, that's really profound. Caroline, what about you? Because um, you, you also alluded to the fact that, you know, you, you, okay, you sensed your willpower was deactivated, you said, you said that, but was there yeah. some digging deep for you as well? And what, what were you digging deep to? It's different for different people. What do you find yeah, is. dig deep? For me, um, you know, I just want, because now we are telling our stories. This is what happened to me. I felt, um, and, and I think I've spoken to a couple of people who've gone through COVID and one of the dominant emotions that pops up when you're dealing with COVID is grief. Mm-hmm. And this COVID for me was like the final act, you know, like the way you go to a circus and you have this uh, act and this act, and then they save the best for last, you right. know? Right. It felt like, you know, that from 2019, I had lost so much. I had lost things. I had lost opportunities. I had lost people. And then I am here, I feel like I've lost myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, my mom was right, I'm so careless. I've gone and lost myself. And there's no way I can go to lost property, lost and found. Yeah. So for me, it felt like the, the, the feeling of everything that I've lost and not grieved yeah. came up right. to the surface. And it felt as if I've been locked in a room to deal with it. And one of the days I remember, I just allowed it to flow. And I cried for a good 30 minutes. Wow. And if I'm to be honest, I feel that that's when my recovery began. Because I was crying from some depths that I've never experienced before. You know? Mm -hmm. And and, and that for me was digging very deep because even in the work that I do, I understand that before, you know, if you have not gone to the emotional level of things, then you're not deep enough. And for me, it was acknowledging and validating my feelings of loss, my feelings of inadequacy, my feelings of you know, being quote unquote useless because I had things to do. People had expectations of me at work. I couldn't do them, yeah. you know, and, and those, all these feelings I had were coming to the surface and I had to face them and allow those emotions to run through my nervous system yeah. so that I'm able to, to move on. So I feel like I dug into deep emotions that I was probably busy to experience or too, you know, too distracted to feel. And that is the depth I can say that, you know, I achieved in this experience. And I can tell you, I felt a release. I felt uh, I felt a release and it's like the fog sort of cleared because it's very foggy, I can tell you. Like there are two days, I don't know what happened. There are two days, I know I lived because I'm alive but I can't tell you what happened on those two days. I couldn't see where I'm going, what I'm doing, what I want. But then when I grieved and I allowed myself to go there, 
then uh, I sort of got clarity and I was able to be like Kev, you know, like what he said, I'm, I'm beating this. I have this to do. I'm not done yet. But before the grief, yeah. I was done. I was ready to, mm -hmm. to exit. Yeah. That's, that's really, that's really powerful. There's something there. Um, what, what's coming through for me that again, I've, I've not heard being discussed anywhere else is the deactivation of your willpower and digging deep. Um, it, it, it's almost as though you're, you have to get this, you have to have this feeling that your life is purposeful. And as Kev said, you know, you're not done yet. There's more for you to do. So I want to invite everybody on this call right now to reflect on what would digging deep look like for you? Where would you go if you were to dig deep? You know, some of us have kids and that might be the inspiration. Some of us like Kev and even you, Caroline, I know you, you know, you're, you're excited about the work you do. You feel you have purpose in your work. Um, it's different for different people. Thanks so much for sharing that. Um, I know there's a there's a question. Uh, maybe some of us on on this uh, uh, call are are wondering, and and I'm sure other people have asked you, what do you say when you're told, where where do you think you got it from? Where do you think you got it from? I don't know if that's happened to you guys, Kev. What was were you asked that, and what were your thoughts? What was your response? Yeah, I mean, I, I did. I did know where I got it from, and I told people where I got it from. Um, and yet, for me, it, it's part of it's it, it's part of that thing of it's it's fighting the stigma around it. You know, I had a friend the other day tell me he uh, telling me he got it from his daughter. You yeah. know, and I and 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 that whole thing of where do you get it from? Sometimes you know, and sometimes you don't. Yeah. But um, for me, it was, I'm here now. This is the most important thing is, is I have it. And it reminded me of, I think this whole COVID thing has a lot of shame sometimes, in my opinion, around it, where people, and it makes people judge, you know, how could you, how can you, you know, did yeah. you, uh, and people like, in Kilifi, you can get COVID. I'm like, people are getting it. People are getting it, you know, yeah. and and I did, and and for me that's the small stuff, you know, that's the small stuff. You start wondering where you got it from. Like you told us for this call, be here now, you yeah. know. Yeah. I had, and the key, the most important thing um, I had to do was to focus on my healing. Yeah. Was to focus on getting better. Yeah. Uh, you can't cry over spilt milk. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow, that's that's really great. What what about you, Caroline? Did did people ask, and how did that make you feel, if anything? I got really triggered <laughs> because I was like, "What does it matter? Why is it important to you? Why I got it, where I got it from?" Yeah, I mean, I got triggered, and I unless you're doing a research. You just need to know you can get it from anywhere. It doesn't matter where I got it from. I got it. That's what is, is the situation right now. And, you know, I, I would get triggered and just take a deep breath. And I would tell people I'm using public transport. I live in an apartment block. 
Yeah. Have you seen that they've they've shown how long it lasts on pl- plastic, how long it lasts on metal, how long it lasts, you know? Because personally, I didn't know where I got it from. Because we yeah. tried, you know, like doing the math with my mom. Because my mom thought she gave it to me because we okay. met on the Sunday before her positive test. But our yeah. interaction was like two minutes, and she had a mask on. I had a mask on. And yeah. so we were like, okay, it's not you. But then I was like, I, I don't really care because it won't like help. Mm-hmm. What I did is I, I just told people that I had interacted with that I have it yeah. and they should watch out for symptoms, especially that fatigue and muscle pain, you know, because now it wasn't even showing up as a high temperature or fever. It wasn't yeah. showing up as, you know, sore throat anymore. So I just told them, you know, watch out, you know, I talked, you know, um, I'm co-parenting with my ex. So I called him and I told him and I, you know, we put the kids on supplements. But then I, my feeling was like, why, why is anyone interested? Yeah. Because I think people are interested maybe to validate their own choices so that they can say, oh, I'm not going to public gathering, so I can't get it. Yeah. You know, whatever it is that you give them as an answer, they just want to know for themselves. So it's not really about me. It's yeah. about them checking for themselves whether they are doing things right. But I tell people, you know, just be careful, you know, do whatever it is that you have been told to do. But even when you get it, deal with that fact. Yeah, yeah. Um, can I just jump in? It's just that yeah. I really agree with Caroline. And, and, and for me... I think when people ask where you got it, I think it's more so for themselves than for you. How so? In the sense that, okay, fine, you have it. I mean, like like what Caroline says, you, I, if, if I told people I got this here, so people are like, oh, I'm going to stay away from Java, you know, a coffee house, or I'm going to stay away from this person, I'm going to stay away from this person to protect, I mean, to protect themselves. But I think as someone who was ill, for me, that, just give me care. Just yeah. um, be here now with me. You know, yeah. that's the most important thing. And I think having cancer, I've sort of one thing I learned is that we have to know the language of care. We have to know the right questions to ask at the right time. Like for yeah. Carol, it triggered her. And is that really being helpful? Yeah, true, true. Are you really being helpful when you ask that? That's a, that's a good point. And, and this leads me to um, something, a, a word that has come up in this call, which is stigma. Um, and you know, you, you, speaking to you guys, you aren't the only people who've told me that there was that feeling of stigma. And, it, and it's not about people not wanting to be near you because of course they're being careful, we know that, but there's, a, there's an energy around it. There's, there's a, stigma has a different kind of energy. Can you, can you speak more to that, Caroline? Yeah, um, stigma is fear and self-preservation. And it's, it's also, um, it's self-protection. So it's it's like somebody wants this. So in my experience, for example, yeah. there's a difference between the energy of somebody 
protecting themselves and loving you and showing kindness to you yeah vis-a-vis somebody uh protecting themselves and blaming you or looking at you with a lot of suspicion so it's yeah. an underlying intention of it's it's a it's a vibe as you're saying it's an energy and so for example i can give you an example so my sister i wouldn't classify that as stigma because yeah. she had she had kids with her she needs to you know i would also tell her to do that and it's important for people to protect themselves but then there was somebody who was making a deal out of the fact that you know why are you talking about it why are you telling people because right. i'm associated to them in one way or another right and you see that that is a person who has put themselves first and they are sort of making you wrong for going through what you're yeah. going through that stigma when yeah. somebody makes you wrong for going through what you're going through even yeah. in the privacy of their thoughts that stigma yeah. and the reason why they do that it's because they ha- they are so afraid and that is a reflection of their own self judgment because when somebody it shows how it's 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 reflecting on your own relationship with yourself yeah yeah and and you know what's so it, it's interesting because a lot of people got covid got the symptoms but they didn't say and that's very very telling you know we we have this pe- people are perceiving that there's a kind of judgment and i find that really really interesting kevin what are your thoughts around this this stigma i mean for me it, it made me angry you know where you when you i found out when you told people oh when i told people i had I had covid they're like oh yeah me too and i'm like you're saying this for the for the first time and we've been together for the last two months you know wow. um so it, it made me it made me angry i'm like this is sickness you know this is sickness and i think i've met people i mean even I'm really glad that my cancer experience helped me get through this to some extent because if even even mentioning the word cancer people are like no don't you shouldn't be talking about this you know illness is normal it's part of life it's part of life and we can't we we, we by not by speaking it I strongly believe we take the power away from it you know the more we normalize the fact that we are living through this pandemic and 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 it's here you know we like i said you take you blunt it so for me it 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 makes me feel sad that it's not just with covid but with sickness you know that we are scared of saying we're sick but we're normal human beings this is life it will shine and and and, yeah. and rain on all of us this is life and i yeah. think the fact that covid is such a fantastic equalizer yeah and if we haven't picked that up then we've learned nothing from this period 
That's a really powerful statement. COVID is an equalizer. Um, I was talking to a friend um, last year and she was saying how COVID, stay home, work from home, now people are just squares on a Zoom call. It's a real equalizer. It's a real equalizer. Caroline, what does what is, does that word bring up anything for you? Equalizer? COVID is, is an equalizer? For me, when I hear that, it, it, it brings us back down to the real human experience because it brings us in touch with real emotion, real fears. Yeah. Uh, and because I think there's a dimension that we live in that is so, sort of floating around above our lives. And yeah. we think that some people are like this, other people are like this. But yeah. there's something that happens like COVID that brings you all down. It's like you are settled in your life and you're like, we are all the same. Yeah. You know, we, we are experiencing the same emotions. Yeah. And, and so that for me is the equalizing that is happening. And it's, it, people are being brought back into their lives, you know, yeah. instead of floating somewhere in their heads. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Caroline, you and I, and, and um, as coaches, uh, we've, we've talked about this stay home. That, that phrase stay home has so many levels to it because Home is your body, you know, coming home to your body, which COVID does. Home is the house you live in. How do you like the house you're in? Um, what, is, what is the energy of the house you're in? Because COVID forces you to be there. If, if you're not um, taken to hospital, because, you know, some people are taken to hospital. Home is the, the city you live in, you know. Um, and Kenya hasn't experienced a hectic lockdown like some of the other countries of the world. So now you've got nowhere to run to. And then of course, it's the country. You know, we were really smacked in the face with, you've got to look after home on all those levels. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are around that. Your thoughts are around the isolation. Caroline? Yeah, and, and it's not just there's also the other home, which is the real home. And that's our emotional state. Yeah. And, and some of us had to be brought back home so that we experience our most dominant emotions, the ones that we've been numbing, numbing with alcohol or whatever it is, numbing with work, numbing with religion and chat going, numbing with activity. Yes. And so when everything was stopped, and you had to be home you also had to be home with the emotions that you've been running away from yeah and for me it was all of that it was all of that it was being home in in my house and I would be here and be like I'm so grateful that I'm here because this this house means so much to me it means you know it's like you are now in your life and you're actually looking around like a visitor would yeah. around your house and you're noticing things that you had taken for granted. You're noticing things that you need to change 
you're noticing how you need to arrange things differently. Um, And that's what it is about, whether it's our physical house, whether it's about our bodies, whether it's our emotional state. And I came out of there with very many insights and very many decisions that I am actually implementing even now because I saw life from a different perspective. It's like um, it's like how you you're traveling to the Rift Valley and you stop. Uh, you're driving so fast, and then you come to the viewpoint, yes. and you stand there and you look at the escarpments and the plateaus. That's how it was for me, and and I was able to pinpoint um, a landscape that I want to go to. Yeah. So now I have a new sense of of direction because of the isolation. That's really powerful. Um, someone has sent me a, a direct message. Um, I won't reveal their their names. Um, and they said um, they got that question of where did you get it a lot, um, yet they were so careful. Um, and this particular person who is now on the call um, had to get intubated, was in ICU, and was in hospital for over 40 days. So um, you, you know who you are. Thank you so much for sharing that comment. And um, we're we're so glad that you're here. And now I'd like to ask you both, and we can start with you, Kevin. What was the turnaround? When did things feel different and start to take a turn for the better? What was that like, that moment? Um, Please, this is going to sound really silly, um, and forgive me. I think it was the Saturday. I don't even know what day it was. But I'd had diarrhea during during the whole period, but that Saturday I had a proper poo. Um, I had a proper, <laughs> and, and I wouldn't treat you. I knew I was better. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it was a proper yeah. poo, and I'm like, I am better. And instantly, that day I I started I started playing music. I started dancing. Uh, my cousin brought me some pilaro and, and it smelled so good and I wanted to eat it and I cried because I'm like, I'm eating food that I can, that I want to, the one I want to enjoy. But I know that that Saturday was amazing. Yeah. But it all started with taking a proper poo. <laughs> and, and you know, uh, I've got to tell you, um, all of you who are on this call, um, some of you may have attended um, the, the talk last year that I did with Tali Moshe. She's a nutritionist living here in Nairobi. Brittany, I, I think you are in, in one of those calls as well. And when you talk to nutritionists and, you know, it's all about, it's all about health, especially now, that's something nutritionists say, a sign of how healthy your body is, is how often you're going to the loo and what your poop looks like. Um, because gut health is so, so important. So it's actually not surprising that that was when your body felt better and you felt better. What about you, Caroline? What was the turning point for you? What was that moment? I think for me, um, it's the day I realized that I have, I have not done anything other than stare at blank walls. Yeah, you know, because it was day in, like I would wake up and it's a war and I have to live an hour, you know, at a time. And one day I just realized, wait a minute, 
I have not turned on anything. I have not read a book. I have not, you know, and I was like, let me watch a movie. That felt new to me. It felt like I'm in a new space. It felt like I've, I've gotten off the battlefront and I can now enjoy some entertainment. I think that's what happens um, in, you know, in, in the war. Like when you can go grab some entertainment, then yeah. you know that, you know, it's not that bad. And so that yeah. day I watched a movie, I knew I'm in a different space. Right, right. That's so great. That's so great. The lightness, some of the lighter things of life started to, to come, come to the fore. Um, what's your perspective on well-being, wellness these days? Kevin, you can, you can go first. Um. I think since you know that I've always been in that space and yeah. and, and, and love the fact and, and for me like that point where Carl says you're you're on the rift you're the viewpoint and looking down on the rift valley and and I think COVID showed me I'm like my life is good and I am grateful for my life and I have invested in in this process in this body my body is my friend and yeah. I made a vow that I will continue to continue looking after my body. And, and a conversation with you that also added a new perspective. And, and even if I fall sick again, you know, yeah. so be it. And in my, my um, so, so for me right now, I say, I'm just, I'm just adding reserves so that if I have to dig deep again, there are enough reserves for me to dig deep. And I'm just gonna continue living this life in the best way that I can. Um, I'm a lot more, I mean, there's a new scar, there's a lot, there's a new wound, thanks from COVID. And I remember once you told me, so what do you do with this? I'm like, I'm just going to live better. I'm yeah. just going to be grateful for the opportunity that I have been given, yeah. you know, and I'm just going to live better. And I, cause I, it's like, my mantra is like, I only have this life. Yeah. And this is not smooth. There'll be bumps and potholes but I'm still, it's how you navigate that road. And I'm so grateful that I have this life and I'm just gonna live it. Yeah, I mean, Kev, you and I have talked about uh, how you're a warrior, you know? Uh, when Kevin and I were talking on the phone, um, for those of you who joined a bit later, I was just saying, you know, Carolyn and I know each other as coaches, we talk a lot. Kevin is a, a client of mine, but we were also neighbors. And I was making this joke with Kevin and I was saying, you know, up in heaven, they must just look at Kevin and go, what can we give him next? And how is this warrior going to, <laughs> how is this warrior of a human going to deal with, with this? Your, your story is amazing. You know, there's cancer, uh, which are now in remission and then COVID. Is that what you mean when you say there's, there's another wound? Yeah, yeah, that's 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 what I mean. You yeah. know, in this life will 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 leave us with very many scars, and it's that whole thing, you know. You know, and I think if you look at life in there, you know, COVID just, COVID, like I said, I think just whole COVID humbled me, humbled me in 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 a, in a very weird way that, and I don't know from what Carol Carol said, some such powerful things. You know, and 
but you also just have to appreciate what we have been given. And I think the fact that you are helpless, you are beholden to this thing because it goes in various shapes. It's like, it's a beast that can't be tamed. Yeah. You know, and and then when you do come out, you're like, there's there's respect there. I'm like, wow, wow. Wow." Yeah. So for me, it's, 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 it's that, wow, I went through that and, and I'm grateful. And I'm like, you've left a wound, brah. And yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's deep. That's deep. Um, when you say live better, Kev, what, what exactly, what does that look like for you? Um, I mean, I, I continue exercising like I always have, continuing eating healthy, um, continue creating, continuing trying to be a good human, um, continue just, yeah, for me, it's, it's all continue meditating, continue seeking validation, continue growing and learning and laughing and loving, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's all those things. And, and, but I also recognize my mortality. Yeah. I also recognize that my mortality moment by moment, but I'm going to do live those moments doing all those things. Um, there'll be tears, there'll be laughter, and there have been tears. With COVID came lots and lots of tears, tears for myself and for, for people I lost, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah. we're on all on this journey, and I, I think it's, we're all on, we have to recognize we're all on separate journeys. Yeah. Every single one of us. Carol and I have this bond of, of COVID and our experience, but her journey is hers and my journey is, is mine. And I think that really sobered me. You know, when I had uh, my friend Lorna, when she passed by, it's that whole thing. I'm like, this was Lorna's journey. And I had to look at the circumstances around her death, you know, and I, and, and I do that with, with, with other people. Um, I, I don't know what your body is going through. Yeah. You don't know what my body is going through. And the battles that are happening inside are unique to you, just the same way they're unique to me. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. What about for you, Caroline? What's your perspective on well-being, wellness? How has your experience changed how you behave these days? Yeah, I mean, for me, it it really solidified um, a principle that I have long known and experienced that for you to appreciate the light and to see the extent and the intensity of the light you must have had experienced darkness. And it's the first step of any creative process. You know, yeah. even in, in the scriptures, uh, for those who read them, it, it, it started with darkness. Yeah. And I find that illness gives us that opportunity yeah. because illness is infinite possibility and i i keep telling myself that i'm becoming i am i am an experience humanity is an experience that is happening and it's an experience of expansion of aspiration and because we are always pushing the horizons and pushing to expand we will find uncharted ground because if you're standing on the edge and you are the first person, you're the pathfinder, then you're going to be in some bushes where there's no road and you have to make a road. And I find that illness gives us the opportunity to discover more resilience, more purpose, more drive, 
to understand ourselves more and to come to awareness of who we really are. Because when you're sitting there and you're fighting, you have to develop a relationship with your body. Yeah. You have to be in your body. You yeah. have to talk to your body like Kev is saying. And you have to face your thoughts and your fears and all the emotions that are running through your nervous system. Yeah. And for me, that feels like that is what I would say the scars are worth for. Yeah. Because any warrior who comes back home with scars has yeah. a story to tell of a victory. Yeah. And that victory was not for the country, was for the person. And it meant a discovery. It's a discovery of yourself. You have discovered more of yourself. You have expanded to more life. So for me, I, I feel more alive yeah. and I have more meaning for life. And, you know, if I had any excuses, I've dropped many of them. And I say, until the next experience, <laughs> you know, maybe someone up there is saying, okay, that's done, next obstacle. And, and I'm ready and I don't have the expectations that none will come. I just, I just trust in, in my presence. I feel that, you know, at some point, it, all it takes is for me to be present. I learned the importance of doing a day at a time, an hour at a time, a minute at a, at a time. Yeah. It was so real for me that life is not the whole of this stretch of yeah. 1980 something to 20 whatever they write when you pass on yeah. life is this moment that you're alive where your body is and that's all you need to do all you need to do is the breath that you need to take right now and yeah. i think everybody is equipped for that at least i am yeah that's so so powerful thank you so much for sharing um, to all of you who are in the room please go ahead and share in the chat box if you feel so inclined what insights, what has stood out the most for you um, this evening? For me, I have to say it's um, this, this deactivation of, of willpower and having to dig deep, having to dig deep to um, reactivate it again. And, and it's so interesting how COVID interferes for most people with your breath with your breath, because the breath is life. You know, the breath is life. If there are no more, um, if there are no questions, we can wrap it up there. It's 12 past the hour. Kevin, Caroline, thank you so very, very much for having the courage to share your story. Mimi says, both guests are outstanding in their perspective. I love Carol's reminder that we are becoming and about breath. Thank you so much for that, Mimi. Kevin, any last words you want to share with us? It doesn't have to be a deep and meaningful. <laughs> Anything you want to share, or it can be a deep and meaningful. Um, actually, before you answer that, Kevin, let me ask this question. Why did you agree to do this interview? Because, you know, some people would be too afraid. What made you say yes? I just think there's power in stories. I, I strongly believe there's power in stories. And, and this for me helps, you know, normalize, um, normalize this, this virus, normalize COVID, you know? Um, yeah. And I think we just need, and I think that's how we get through things like this when we talk to one another. Yeah. 
when, when you hear the authentic sharing of story, because it's one thing to read about the stats in the New York Times and this and that, but when you hear a story coming out of someone's mouth, it's very powerful. Um, any last words, Kevin, and then we'll move to Caroline. Anything else you wanna add? Um, be safe, be yeah. kind, be good humans, and live this life with a big spoon. Live this life with a big spoon. What about you, Carol? What made you agree to do this interview? And do you have any last thoughts you would love for everyone in this room to go home with? Sharing my stories, uh, you know, is, is some of the scary things that I love to do. I mean, some people like bungee jumping. Anything that gives them an adrenaline rush, I get mine from sharing my my experiences yeah uh because there's one thing i've learned that every experience i've shared especially given that i have gone through mental illness and psychosis yeah. every time i've shared has helped somebody else not suffer in silence my yeah. speaking up has ensured that they will speak up they might not learn anything from me but the fact that i speak spoke up yeah. will will give them the courage to speak up which will get them the help that they need so that is the the good um polished side of why i do i, I agree to do this but the most important one is that I, I was scared and i wanted to have this scary experience yeah great any last words you'd like to leave us with before we we all go our separate ways I'll share what I love to tell people. And I think I've told you this, Cece, that we can never get this thing wrong. This thing called life. Yeah. We can get it wrong. And we are not getting it done. Mm -hmm. So just relax and breathe and just eat life with a big spoon. <laughs> eat life with a big spoon. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so, so much, you two. We so appreciate having you here. And thank you to all of you who made the time to, to be here. Um, Kevin and Caroline and myself, we so, so, so appreciate it. So that's it. Um, I'm going to close the call. It will be recorded. I'll be sharing the recording, of course, with you, Kevin, with you, Caroline, to share um, in your networks. Um, I'll be sharing it um, as well on um, the SoundCloud page that I have. So please feel free to listen again. Please feel free to share the link with your friends. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a wonderful uh, evening. It's evening now in Nairobi. Thank you so much and good night. Thanks all. <laughs>